0: It's time for everybody's favorite show about the great state of Utah. It's the new Utah podcast with your hosts, free defender of all that is woman, Jeremy, the daddest of dads, Jessica, producer extraordinaire, and Chris, pretend radio leader of the show. That's it. I'm changing it. (laughs) Okay. Episode 207.
1: I'm going to charge you $10 for every time you tell me that.
0: Next week's our four-year anniversary. It's getting a serious overhaul. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do it, but it's going to be different. I I'm promise. excited. I can't wait. I'm going to forget until <laughs> next
2: Tuesday. while well, we're all sitting here.
1: Four no, o'clock. Our anniversary is not until the 26th. You have two weeks.
2: Two, oh, see, look at that. Two no, weeks. No,
1: 208 is four years. We started on the 25th of May. It doesn't matter what
0: day.
2: The, episode, counting
1: weeks.
0: the episode is four years of, of shows. Well, crap. Four years, okay, and then we can celebrate twice. But I'm saying on 208, on the four-year episode, I'm gonna change that intro. I'll change that intro. All right,
2: there's we had a leap year, so it fucked everything up. I think <laughs> that's what the yeah. I would I would just blame the leap year for this year's disasters.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> that is true, right? Like leap
2: year happened, February 29th happened, and suddenly America is fucked. Remember, like last year, this time all we were worried about was our lettuce. Yeah. They had the bad lettuce in the stores and that was like our biggest concern. <laughs> coli lettuce. <laughs> Fuck, we can't get romaine anywhere! <laughs> what the hell?
0: Now we don't have fucking meat in the grocery stores. The toilet paper and a the chicken. There is plenty of produce for now. The, the Chilean produce had has not, the not Mexican and Chilean produce is good. I think though, like honestly, we, we may see some issues, uh, this year with produce because
2: who picks it? Right. Well, it's like, it's like in Idaho, Because of the shipping issues and everything and and all the lockdowns internationally, they're dumping potatoes.
1: Yeah. And that's also because most of their clients are
0: restaurants. (laughs) True. So like, yeah, I mean, think about it. Even fast food places, like think about how many potatoes McDonald's takes. Think about like Five Guys. And when you like McDonald's probably didn't take a huge hit because I think most of their business is probably drive through and they never really stopped. But a, a place like Five Guys, Five Guys doesn't have a drive through. It's dine in.
2: And oh, it's carry out, but they don't. Or they, even your chains like Red Robins and places like yeah. that. That burgers and fries well, is kind but, of their deal. And
0: even beyond that, it's it's every restaurant has potatoes on their dish. On yeah, their so menu. there's
2: there's just like mountains of potatoes that farmers have just dumped. Yeah, well, and it's not just potatoes; it's everything. You know, well, calling the, like we talked about calling chickens the chickens that they had to just kill. Thousands and
0: thousands. I I was reading an article today where meat producers, beef producers are now turning prime choice cuts of meat, like ribeyes and New York strips and stuff, into ground beef.
2: Just because they got to get rid of it?
0: Because the ground beef is selling, and and they can't sell the high-end steaks. And the market for the shitty cuts, like the oxtail and and all that stuff, has gone way up because it's way cheap. And so they're grinding steaks because that's the only way they can sell it because no one's buying steaks. Hello, Harmon's this week
2: has London broil on sale for like, I five saw bucks a that. Pound. So I'm pretty stoked. I'm totally going to gonna go
1: get some and blueberries.
2: Speaking of steaks though, we did have steaks from Mother's Day. They were really good. Nice. We nice. got them at Harmon's.
3: Hi, Domino's. We had homemade spaghetti from the sausage
0: to the oh. noodles to the sauce. All of it nice. from scratch. I did not make the garlic bread.
2: No. Got that out of a box. That's all right. That was just the, uh, that was just the accessory to the main dish. So there's two things I'm really missing this time of year. One, savers. You know, this is the longest I've probably been in most of my l- life. Yeah, I, I don't even know how you're without, actually walking without just, the shakes. It's like driving me nutso. And and the Kern's pirate. I hope the COVIDs didn't get him. I mean, he might have died to COVID. That's what I'm like... <laughs> Seriously thinking. Cause I haven't seen him. I mean, I I really don't know why he sits there, but but this is his prime time. He's just got his jug of pee out there. <laughs> And his juggling knives and chainsaws. Dude, that, is apple. that is apple juice. <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> that is warm
0: apple juice. <laughs> and and there's not enough traffic, really. I mean, there's a lot of traffic still, but there's not enough traffic for him to really own his Was he collecting craft. money? I never saw anybody actually give him money. No, dude. He wasn't near the curb. He was back a little ways so it everyone like could a biz- see business.
1: He was advertising for a
0: business. Like, like, I think he started advertising for a business and thought, I think he probably... Got fired, but was like, I can't tell my mom, because that's who he still lives with. <laughs> <laughs> kick me out of the basement. I can't tell my mom I got fired, so I'm just going to keep going to, quote unquote, work. Aww. And he just hangs out on the corner. So, And his own sign in, in crayon and marker. Well, you remember the, the, like, super famous, like, you know, five minutes of fame, little Caesars dude over on 54. had yeah, yeah, Like the, the guitar the, thing the, the and flipper,
2: signed flipper dude. Yeah. Like he had a little five minutes of fame. So, that's I mean, that's what the current Pirates trying to. That's what he was shooting for. I don't think he made it though. Of course, you know, he's, we still haven't seen him since we had Shannon on the show. That is true. We told Shannon about him and the guy never showed up again. I've never seen him again. Fact. I think he's still in the basement. I mean, he might be on that chain. <laughs> 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 Juggling for peanuts, <laughs> you know, speaking
0: about uh lettuce and gardens, um my dog sucks. I replanted everything and, last week How oh, did you put up your lattice fence? uh no, so I replanted everything, and we were still talking about the lattice. I think we were coming to a conclusion that we wanted to get it, just trying to decide how much we were gonna do, but uh uh she had gotten in the garden again. Dug up more shit, dug up a bunch of potatoes. So I replanted everything. Uh, we got the lattice. The lattice was sitting on the porch because it, we could, can't put it up because we don't have the, um, the molding pieces right. that actually hold it up. The cross. Yeah, the cross pieces, pieces and the pieces up top, um, that will hold it up. We don't have those. They don't come in until like the 21st. Um, and so, they were sitting there and the dog at some point got in and dug up where my yellow squash was planted. So um, I have a bunch of spinach that I planted that the lattice is now just like sitting on top of because it hasn't come <laughs> up. It was only been planted for like four days. The lattice is just sitting there and like leaning over the porch and the dog so far that has been a good enough barrier. She's bound and determined to destroy that garden. That was on Bree's suggestion that I was very reluctant to take up, but, um,
2: ended up doing it. One of the kids did leave the chicken gate open and the chickens did get into the garden, but we caught it quickly. We, and I think we salvaged everything. So did you beat Jonathan? I was going to because I, I know it was him. It was him. <laughs> it <laughs> you was say him. one of the kids, there's two options and one of them. Yeah. She's twelve. Yeah. One of whom's much younger than the so, other. So, but we've got so this last weekend, we've got I've got everything but tomatoes planted. Tomatoes is the only thing I've got left. And you don't have to plant those. The stuff that I planted, uh, getting close to a month ago, three and a half, four weeks ago. That's all starting to come up. So I've got cucumbers coming up, pumpkins coming up. I um, had to
0: replant all my cucumbers, and I probably lost another one. Uh, she dug one of those up too, so I have no idea if my—I think that was my zucchini will come up. At and all. I don't let Maya weed because remember yeah, two
1: years ago
2: them. she pulled all of the.
1: Apparently, I, just- I did that when I was younger. My mom, my mom and I went for a drive this weekend, and she told me that <laughs> I did that to her peas. And I said, "See, I have hated peas forever."
0: <laughs> yeah, I and see, I I just I don't weed at all right now unless I know like there's a couple weeds I know for sure, but there's one that when they're
2: small they look like potatoes. Yeah, well, yeah. Yep. yep, I know exactly which one. So as the potatoes start coming up, unless it's like a dandelion, I, I'm the same way. I yeah, know. I just leave it. I just leave everything
0: until I can start to see what is and is isn't a weed very clearly, and then I'll start pulling stuff again. But I haven't seen my parsnips come up, so I'm a little worried about them. I might have put them a little too deep, but they'll come up eventually if that's yeah. the case. Um, I think I have one of the original carrots coming up, <laughs> and then I planted a bunch more, so we'll see what happens there. I'm going to have some bare spots in the garden for sure. It
2: looks really shitty now. Thanks to well, Fuckface McGee. You can always plant, like, lettuce, like like salad greens, anytime. Yeah, and I might do that. Just I might, to fill up the space. Yeah, I might do that. So I, I planted the
0: spinach to see how that grows um, a little bit shadier, because um, it's a cool weather plant. So yeah. I figured I could do that in that shady area and see if it grows. But anyway, um, yeah. So what about you, Jess? How's your garden? Um.
1: My garden is beautiful what's planted. I need to plant more this week, but I'm in the process of ripping up my backyard. So
2: that's You got stuff rad. coming up though already, don't you?
1: Yeah, my spinach is coming up, my sugar snap peas is coming up. I just planted my golden beets over the weekend. Uh your, oh my! Like my habanero peppers are coming up.
2: You got your hose fixed or your your spout on your house fixed? Yes. like a month ago, so you can actually water. Your I garden. can water my garden. <laughs> so, besides Domino's pizza
0: and steak, did you guys do anything else for Mother's Day? Nope.
2: So we went to I, <laughs> we went to my mom's house, uh and I went to the door and gave him a the gift, and we rolled down the windows, and all the kids waved.
1: <laughs> That's not true. My mom and I drove to, I drove her to Idaho because our friend of the podcast, Harriet Winston, uh, a.k.a. Kelly Neal, has opened a pop-up shop on his parents' farm.
4: Nice.
1: Um, and so he's basically running a, a flower shop out of it and a gift shop. Did so you, my mom and I drove up there.
0: Did you buy booze and lotto tickets?
1: Uh, I did get lotto tickets, but not booze. Lean. But no one was wearing masks in Idaho, so it's
2: nothing there. Are we surprised? <laughs> No one, look, no one fucking wears masks here. <laughs> so is he is he up there now permanently for for now? It only
1: takes an hour and a half to get up there. Or he
2: just goes up there like on the weekends yeah. to run his little shop.
1: Yeah, and it's just a pop up shop, so it's not every oh. weekend. It's he did Mother's Day weekend. I think his next one's the twenty second for uh like to order flowers for Memorial Day.
2: Sounds successful. And is he doing all right with it? Or it just
1: know? opened. Oh. <laughs> This was the first weekend, so. Oh, gotcha. But apparently, he's ready to run the the Malad florist out of business, so mm-hmm. he'll do it for sure. And then, and then I delivered a cake to Santaquin, so that was awesome.
0: That's not very far from you.
1: Uh, it's like a forty minutes. I like to drive I down know. Redwood Road all oh, the way oh and cut across. It's a
2: long way. Oh it God. actually
1: isn't. It's like three minutes longer.
2: No. I <laughs> guess from where you're yeah. at. Yeah, because otherwise like, you're so like, far. Because you're so far west. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd have to go. Because I Google mapped it Back out and around.
1: just to see. But I really like driving down that way. It was just really, really pretty on Saturday. So,
2: Did they ever find the two girls in the no. lake? That's too bad.
1: Not yet. And it was too windy today that they had to stop the oh, they're, flights.
2: They're dead. They're not going to find them. They're going to drag the lake and not find them. Yeah. The only other thing be would be, naysayer, though, is if, but... if they're abducted. At this point, it's it's. did something happen and they were taken away? However, it was that day of that crazy storm that rolled in. Yeah, it in. was
1: really, really windy, and Utah Lake is really, really treacherous when
0: it gets windy. That's so. too bad. Yeah, whatever. It sucks. <laughs> Don't go out on the fucking lake in shitty weather as a child. Like For sure. They were young. Yeah, that's your parents child, need huh? that's a child. <laughs> There's a reason you're not allowed to be accountable for your actions until you're 18 and only then it's sort of accountable. You still can't drink or smoke legally, so. That, I mean, kids are stupid, right? <laughs> like <clears throat>
1: Uh, so I have a fun story this week, this last week, there's a podcast that I listened to called Hollywood Paranormal, and it's done by this gal named Tammy and this hilarious guy. Actually, they're both hilarious. What am I saying? Anyways, Bryce and Tammy, and they don't release weekly. I, I don't know if there's any like rhyme or reason to how much they release, but I was listening to one of their shows and they were talking about... Um, this home that this old uh, asylum basically, um, that Marilyn Monroe's mother was in and they were talking about her mother and how she used to like escape. And anyways, I guess they got a lot of negative feedback about and nowhere. Like I didn't feel they made fun of mental illness at all. They were just talking about her mother. So the next show, they were talking about the people that gave them feedback and I just sent them an email and I was like, Hey, like, you know we've had people get mad at us for eating popcorn on the air and like (laughs) you know i you guys are doing a great job whatever anyways i was listening this i was listening today to the most recent episode and at the very end they totally uh shouted out to us and it was awesome and then i sent them another email and they said they really like our podcast so thank you hollywood paranormal that's cool Yeah.
2: yeah that's really awesome
0: Oh man, I'm sorry. I was looking at COVID statistics. <laughs>
1: Dude, that was a great story. We it got was. an awesome compliment from a that Los really Angeles cool. based uh, podcast. That, that is, is really cool. cool. It was amazing. They're really nice. They're really, really funny and they do so much research for their show. Like it's not just them going and doing investigations or like picking because Hollywood has a lot of old d- death and paranormal stuff, but, um, they Yeah, they do so much research, and it's just a really awesome podcast. So, yeah, it's cool.
0: Uh Bree, what did you do for Mother's Day besides dinner with mom? Which was nice because we haven't had dinner with her. Before. Did she
2: go to your mom's or did she come no, here? No, she came here. Oh, good. Folded laundry. Laundry's good. <laughs> Fine, never mind.
3: Well, on Mother's Day, I didn't do anything. Yesterday, I got a new bike, but that wasn't on Mother's but Day. But
0: it was for Mother's Day. What did you do
3: for Father's Day already? Nothing. That's a lie. <laughs> we got bikes for each other.
2: That's cool. Yeah, it's it, been a, it's been fun to ride them around the last couple of days. You gonna kind of turn that into your where you've done the hikes before this year? It'll be no nope. bike rides. No, we'll still do the hikes. So the hikes. When are you gonna start that? Uh We were actually talking about it this week. Um It's it's about
0: that time to start doing some of them. So I just like it to be warmer, just a tad more warmer. consistently. Yeah, she's she freezes. So we'll do our inaugural hike up in Sun Peak, Um and then. Uh, we'll probably stick a lot to City Creek, uh, not City Creek, but, um, Mill Creek Canyon, cause mm-hmm. the dogs can go up there. I was gonna say, dog friendly. Yeah, so otherwise we'll go down into the Utah County area. There's plenty of stuff there that's dog friendly, but basically the Cottonwoods, not, uh, not friendly to dogs cause of the watershed stuff, which is yeah. stupid cause <laughs> it's fucking dumb, whatever. Uh You can listen to other episodes from the past <laughs> We've had that to learn about what I think about that discussion and <laughs> the, the poop disaster that's awaiting us. Um Yeah, I'm sorry. I was looking at COVID numbers because the U.S. is just – like, Utah is fantastic. Our numbers are pretty low. Um It's like 6,000 cases. It's like per 100,000, I think, our statistics right now are – let me see what it
2: says. But As you're looking that up, of the 6,000 cases – a third, if not even half of those, are people that have it but have no symptoms. Yeah, yeah, because okay. we're testing a Sean. Right. Sean's
3: even getting tested twice.
2: Oh, God. so I'm assuming she came back negative the first time? Yep.
3: She came back negative the yeah, first but time. But she's got
2: symptoms. But this time yeah. she's got
3: some symptoms. And But so I think she just pissed. has a
2: cold. But she can't work until she's cleared. So I know I keep, my allergies keep flaring up and it freaks me out.
3: Well, she woke up with a sore throat and a <laughs> migraine and a little bit of a cough, but she's like, I think my cough is because my throat is irritated. I don't.
0: Well, so I was looking at, you know, I was looking at, um, a, an interesting infographic, but basically for every thousand, uh, Americans that have been infected with COVID-19. Now we are, we are the world when it comes to fucking COVID infections, right? We're at 1.4 Million COVID cases here in the U.S., uh, which is staggering given our population. Um, uh, deaths were were like eighty two
2: thousand deaths or something, which makes you wonder how honest. Well, we already know the answer to that, but China was. Well, so here is the thing:
0: anyone that has COVID when they die. It's considered a COVID death. Oh. They could have been hit by a fucking truck and, and, and had, would have died anyway and had non symptoms. But because they were tested and came back with COVID, they're being counted as a COVID death statistic. So I don't, th- those numbers are, are, I, it feels kind of ridiculous. Like someone that was going to die of pneumonia in like 10 days and then gets tested positive for COVID, they blame it so, on
2: COVID. So somewhat sad story to go along with that. A friend of mine, um, his, Sister-in-law's husband Committed suicide But he tested positive for COVID During the autopsy That's a COVID death That counts as a COVID death She was irate
1: Where was that at? What state? Here So that's that's, Her her life insurance might kick in though That's something that's really Cool about Utah Is that Regardless of what goes to the ME Regardless of why you die They are testing every person that dies
0: Yeah Yeah But Again, you could fucking shoot yourself and you count as a COVID death if you have COVID. Yeah, right. A death is a death.
3: But it's not because it's counting it but as a death from COVID and I, it's not. It's a death from I, suicide. And I
0: agree. A death is a death. Like life is precious at, at some level, but you cannot at count. all level levels? Uh, yeah. <laughs>
3: but the point is, is you can't use that as a statistic to scare people to stay, to stay in their homes because 20,000 people have died from COVID if... A thousand of those people died from getting hit by a car
0: or suicide or whatever. It's tough because they don't say someone died from the flu when
2: they have a fucking heart attack in the hospital but happen to have influenza. Well, and we have on average, what, 150 to 200,000 people die every year. No. Flu related. Worldwide? Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah, I'm talking worldwide. Yeah, not in the US. No. Worldwide. From flu related symptoms or reasons every year from just The common. So
0: anyway, the infographic I saw, and I don't know how completely accurate it is, but it's uh, for every thousand Americans that were infected with COVID, um, 995 of them recovered with mild or no symptoms, um, except for, this is why it's weird, because then this is except for 45 who felt sick enough to go see a doctor. So basically, like some chunk of them, a very small portion are symptomatic. So it is something that's spreading, and probably all four of us have it. But we've not been tested,
2: so. Uh, well, and we 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 talked about this a couple times in the last few weeks. Yeah, we have the highest number in the United States, but is it just is it because we're testing so much more than all than other countries? Yeah, I don't know because
0: our testing was really crappy to begin with. Um, Utah's testing again. I still say Utah's
2: testing is freaking fabulous. Like we. Well, and part of it is we've got we've got a company right here in Utah that's making the tests. Yep which we have a a few that are in the process of
0: whipping out more tests and doing antibody tests. And, um, our, our
2: state has responded very well, very well. Um, and we are opening stuff back up. It still makes me a little nervous. I just hope people can, I'm over
0: it. Like, Look, you can't treat every place equally, right? I don't expect to see sporting arenas full of people right. for a while. I don't expect to see big concerts. I don't expect to see New York City operating like normal for a while or San Francisco or L.A. Um, but we're a suburban sprawled population, right? 6,400 6, cases, 73 deaths, uh, and we've tested just the most obscene number of of people, like, let me look and see what our total test count is now on the U- Utah uh, site. As of today. Yeah. Uh, we have tested 153,000 people. That's crazy. And awesome. 6,400 positive cases um, out of those 535 hospitalizations. So that's that's insane. That's not a very high infection rate. And we're at the point now where we're
2: testing people that have one symptom. Right. If right. you have a fever, if you have a cough. Well, and I I heard on the radio today where they were talking about they're going to start doing random testing. Yeah, they want to try and test for antibodies. Yeah. So, like, anybody who, like, it's getting to the point where anybody who wants to be tested come in and we will test you. So, in all
0: all that being said, the cool thing is now we're starting to hopefully see businesses open back up, the ones that have managed to survive for a couple of months.
2: Mm-hmm. um. So, and. Well, it's so like barbershops are opening back up, places like that 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 were not considered essential, but they're one notch below. Most restaurants have reopened uh, at some level. And they are a little strange on how they're doing it, but yes, they are at least open. Yeah. So. And, I, and I've seen...
0: There go the Shut dogs. <laughs> Jess, Jess got up to take a call from our guest, and but the they're dogs so used to the fact shit. that she
3: goes to the door for our guest that they think that there's someone at the door.
0: After
2: four years, they're like, "We know what that means." <laughs> yeah, she's going to get her. someone, and let Shut them in. Up. But they're not coming here. We're we're so I, skyping them. I, I did notice the gym next to me. The parking lot was, I say, full. Not like it had people. In it, it had people in it. So they must be opening the gyms back up to a point. Didn't you say that uh, the boxing gym's opening back up or has? Yeah, it, it has. How are they doing that? Just like spreading you have out? to like,
3: make a reservation. Like yeah,
0: they're only doing... third punching bag? Well, something. they're only doing like 20 people per class. They're only doing a few classes a day. Um, the gloves are being sanitized in like some special thing. Any of their loaner gloves that they have, they're only getting used once a day. They have a special... Sanit- I haven't been there because it's far away and I don't really want to reserve a spot because I'm rather just do what I've been doing um, so but yeah it is things are starting to open a little bit um, our dog place is doing training in a much more limited fashion much more spread out well um we'll we'll have our guest the sexiest day in Utah join us in just a minute in the uh, world yeah well probably I don't know. I only know the Utah DA, so I can't speak for the world. <laughs> uh, Harvey Dent was a sexy guy, so <laughs> um, at least half of him was. <laughs> um, wow. uh, also, Harvey Birdman, um, but he wasn't the DA. He was just an attorney at law. Um, but anyway, uh, before that, um, we do have some events finally. Um, the COVID is starting to let up and allow people to do some stuff, um, not Great big gatherings. Yeah, but
1: unfortunately, <laughs> I have to start with uh, the Utah Symphony, the Shakespeare Festival, and Deer Creek uh, Music Season all being canceled. So,
0: not a surprise. Yeah, if you thought they weren't going to be I crazy. Know.
1: So let's focus on more little things that are local. Uh, our good friends at Buzzed Coffee are—they did Yay. their first. Their first run last week And so They do have their schedule up For this weekend So They'll they got be, their truck fixed Uh yeah Their truck was fixed Before COVID oh, happened okay Okay um, They'll be in Rose Park They will Rose Park 960 West 1000 North Uh Thursday seven to eleven, Friday eight thirty to one, and Saturday eight thirty to one. They will also have um, streusels, pastries uh, mm. to go with the delicious coffee or
0: and tea, it is or almost whatever worth you getting choose. Stabbed
2: going there, it is. You're
0: not gonna get stabbed. They gentrified the shit out of that place. <laughs> they did. We're not
3: talking about Magna, dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, they really pushed all the poor people in other parts. They're still in Glendale, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Rooklet is still doing take and bake orders, but they will be at Fisher Brewery on the. 17th from 12 to 7 p.m. That is just around the corner from our friends, Ruby Snap. Uh, Clever Octopus launched their online store on Monday this week, which is totally awesome. And then I kind of mentioned it before, but there are a lot of local drag queens that have been doing an online uh, show. Uh, this will be their fourth one coming up on the 16th at eight o'clock you just go to I'll link with the Facebook site, but uh if, if you're on Twitch TV, you don't have to be on Twitch to do it. You can go to Utah Digital Drag. Um it's called Eight Bitch Digital <laughs> uh, Which is awesome. Um it was started by Ben Morgan and Ivy LaRue and um Rose Nylon is the host and does a fantastic job and what each of these queens have done during the week is they make a music video and then that's streamed and they put up the like their um their venmo so you or like paypal so you can tip them um so this show coming up has a tons of performers but some really awesome ones rory hollis is back cooper who moved to california will be doing a performance marlo suzanne um it was amazing. Mona Diet, uh, K-Buy, just a few of the, I don't know, I think there was probably 12 or 15 drag queens that were listed on this particular edition, fourth edition. So uh, tune into that. Uh, Utah has some incredible performers. So uh, did I miss anything?
2: Yeah, American Craft Beer Week.
1: Oh, yeah, it's American Craft Beer Week. <laughs> Buy Utah Beer. Yes. Oh, and also Schmidt's Pastry. Um, they are now going to be doing... Uh, on location, so they have an upcoming date, and they will be out by Magna, um, and it's just first come first serve with their um, community bread nice. program that they're doing. Nice. So, uh, just follow them on their social media, and you can find the locations that they will be. Also, really quick, somebody said, "Well, don't just take bread if you don't need it," but. Also, there are a lot of people that are still not leaving their homes. There are a lot of elderly people that might like bread,
0: uh, so it's okay if you take a. And bread they're still to your doing neighbor. their
2: bread program, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, I know she said. You was, <laughs> She literally just said they're going to take their community bread program know, on mobile. location. On location, I know, but 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 they're still doing it in store. I would. They're assume not stopping so. that to take a not medication. for people named Jeremy. Yeah, and no. You stopped. have already
0: gotten your... They have stopped giving bread to Jeremy. Oh, close the door. Here comes Jeremy. <laughs> and actually, if, if their name is Heather and they're related to a Jeremy, they'll give you half a loaf. Half a loaf. <laughs> but on the condition you don't share it with Jeremy. <laughs> so uh, we, are, we are joined this week because a few weeks ago, right, two months ago, it was in March, right? Is it was right at the bit? No, maybe early April. I have no idea. I don't know. It was, it was a little while ago. We were supposed to have Sam Gill on. Uh, and then things happened. I got in a pretty nasty car collision, a uh, five-car pileup that ate up basically my entire day. Um, we got home at like, we got to the house at like 8.30, I think. Because we still podcasted. We did a little night, abbreviated but podcast. Yeah, Jeremy but... and Jess let themselves in because they know how. They have the secret <laughs> uh, they have the secret codes. <laughs> they have um,
3: let themselves in
0: before. But, um, you know, they were, they were uh, here and waited it out. And we did like a... Really quick show because I did not feel good after all that. I was finally starting to get really sore. Um, but Sim has, uh, Sim Gill, the, the Salt Lake uh, DA, Salt Lake County DA, has uh, said, No, I, I want to be on your show. And we rescheduled. And uh, now and and he's Here
5: with he us. is. Yeah. It's like I was saying, this is my, you know, a highlight. I look forward to this. And I think this is my, what, third or fourth time. I can't remember. But it. I, I'm third telling you. Third time. Third time. I, I so, love it. Uh, you know, uh, you guys are the best.
3: Uh thanks, Sim. We love you too. So
2: <laughs> next week is our next week is our four year episode. Four year oh, wow. anniversary episode. <laughs> wow.
5: Well, congratulations in advance. And
2: Thank so, you. I think we've had you on like once a year every year since we've <laughs> been doing the podcast. <laughs> so we'll have to have you next year to make it an even four.
5: There you go. There you go. I'm looking forward to
2: it. Sounds like he's all in on joining us.
0: We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, We're going to talk to Sim just a little bit about a few current events. But Sim uh, came up with this idea. He wanted to interview us. Uh, So we'll we'll let Sim ask quite a bit of questions. So
3: we'll ask him a few questions, and then we'll turn the time over to Sim.
5: Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I think your audience is curious. You guys get to ask all these questions (laughs) and all these, uh, you know, uh, different guests that you have. And I think it's turnaround is fair play. I think uh, (laughs) your audience deserves to hear about uh, all four of you and what you're doing and who you are and what makes you tick and the... Real mystery behind each one of you all. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, I think we should just we should just start with the COVID stuff because that's the most current thing, and um, there's really not much in the news immediately other than COVID nineteen, um, and it's had a it's had a pretty big impact on the justice system, um, not just from you know prisons and uh, detainment facilities but also to court proceedings and how police operate um and i'm just curious to hear from you sim how it has directly affected the da's office cuz i'm sure there's been uh, a ridiculous amount of stuff that has happened it,
5: it, it, you know it is it's been really an interesting experience look uh uh you know, I, I wish I could say that uh, my office, you know, took time off or was no, you know, was uh, not involved. But unfortunately, we are also considered an essential service, and uh, and so for us, our workload has not let down one bit. Now we've been able to deconcentrate our office and and rotate people in, so we could mitigate any transmission. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, as an office. But I have two components to my office. Sometimes people forget. I have a criminal component as the DA, but I'm also the county attorney, so I have a civil component. So if you think about emergency operations and the mayor's staff, um, the health department, those are our clients. So we've been on continuity of operations planned with them through emergency operations from the beginning of this. So I have a a team that has been putting in 60 hours a week plus uh, in direct support of the mayor. Uh, Gary Edwards, our health uh, uh, director, uh, all the uh, the vetting of all the issues when we had to talk about uh, slowing down and going into ice, uh, into quarantine, uh, all of the uh, legal ramifications. Then, of course, you've got the federal money. You know, the the Salt Lake County is uh, uh, getting about two hundred and three million dollars, which are related to the COVID sort of stimulus stuff. But then it has the seven hundred pages of uh, uh, a bill that we are trying to sift through that everybody kind of put together to make sense of it. Uh, it. You know, it empowers things that sometimes you don't need empowered and the things that you need, is not there. So working through that. Uh, and then the harsh reality of the economic downturn, because remember, our general fund is supported by tax dollars and, uh, and sales tax and all of that. And we're feeling that economic pinch and hit And what does that mean to continuity of uh, all those operations? We're in the middle of a budget crisis with everybody else. So that is the civil side. Uh, And then, of course, we're legal counsel to the sheriff and with the jail issues with the COVID and all that. So that's one part. Then the other part is the criminal prosecution. Uh, While you and I and other people, our family members may go into quarantine and take some time off, Unfortunately there's a criminal element that does not. Uh, they didn't <laughs> the know? criminals
2: didn't get the memo to stay home.
5: They you didn't know, get ha- the memo to
1: stay home. <laughs> I I have to say your press conference last week about the couple in West Jordan was very, very emotional and I can't imagine what you had to go through to give that press conference. So
5: oh, good job. <laughs> well Jessica, thank you. First of all, you're right. It was it was uh, uh, you know, uh, what was really tough was, as you know, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the couple that passed away that were uh, victims of a homicide, and then the three children who were there when that happened. And then, of course, try to, you know, uh, we couldn't go into details, but let me just put it in this way. Um, there are first responders, and then there are first responders, and the first responders were when the, as we said in our press conference, it was the 911 call, uh, law enforcement, West Jordan police officers responded, they got up there, they knocked on the door, they couldn't get an answer, so they worked their way to the back, and as they worked their way to the back, they came upon uh, the uh, the homicide scene and the deceased bodies, and ultimately the children who were there, and uh, you would have to be made out of stone not to be, try to understand what must have that been like for them? And uh, so it, it touched everybody in a very deep and profound way and uh, and they were just good folks, great family, three children who don't have their parents, and those first responders who responded onto that scene and uh, uh, and that was really. Uh, what was sort of going through my mind as I was sort of, we were talking about this. And sometimes we have to kind of get up there and you saw the chief, even the chief, uh, Ken Wallenton was there and and he kind of got choked up and I kind of got choked up and uh, because we're human. And, uh, you know, no matter how many files you look at, no matter how many cases you review, it is about people. It is about individuals. And sometimes these events, these Traged, tragedies touch people, uh, and impact people in profound ways. And when you're a witness to that, it can't help but change you. So, so it was, uh, unfortunately that that's one of those realities. It, we're here in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. And that's one of the harsh realities of the work that we have to do because that crime doesn't go away. So to, uh, to answer your question, Chris, it has had an impact on us. Um, uh, for example, the, you know, we had to close down, you know, the courts got closed. So then we had to address with all those people what are we were we going to be doing. Those cases got pushed in there. And then, of course, turning around uh, because we were preparing for it. I have a great sheriff and Rosie Rivera. And we started to proactively, even before the quarantine and isolation orders were coming out, we started to look at the jail population. And we know that at any given time, there's about 2,150 prisoners at the county jail. And we said, okay, uh, if this pandemic goes the way it is, the infection is there. Uh, We've got to proactively try to address this issue. and, uh, and I have a team that really were able to do that. And we can talk a little bit more in detail because, of course, uh, Salt Lake County is getting sued, uh, the sheriff's getting sued, and our office is defending this lawsuit with ACLU. But because of our proactive measures, we were able to reduce that jail population from about 2,100 prisoners down to lower, less than 1,300 prisoners right now at the county jail. And those numbers... That, that's almost a 55 percent reduction in the in the uh, 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 jail population are around there fifty percent uh, forty between I mean forty and fifty percent and and that is remarkable. That's not since the 1980s we've had that low of a number. Wow. Uh, and we did it in a, a concerted way without compromising on public safety. Those who were awaiting the adjudication, who had not, who were not at a risk to the community, we got those released to give the sheriff the flexibility to start figuring out how uh, to quarantine and isolate so there's not a spread of that pandemic throughout there. So that's impacted. And of course, you know, the, the other fascinating thing is as much as people may complain about going to work, I have an entire group of people who can't wait to come back physically to the office because they're just, you know, uh, you can only take so much of your dog and your family and so on, whatever, (laughs) before they're looking. So it has had a profound impact on us. And the real test is going to be not what we're doing right now. It's when we come back theoretically in June 1 and those cases that have been waiting because we've slowed the filing of those cases, all those cases that have been pushed back, How are we going to maintain our social distancing when we start to open up the the courtroom? How are we going to bring jurors in? Because let's face it, folks, this pandemic is not uh, uh, over yet. And there is no cure. There's no vaccine. So these are real fears. And it's impacted uh, everybody who's in the criminal justice system.
0: So I, I got a couple of questions from that. I, I'd like to go back to that West Jordan case because there was something that happened there that doesn't happen frequently uh, in cases like that. And that was, you know, your office's decision to prosecute the the lady to file charges and actually go after the lady that was, um, you know, allegedly obstructing justice and uh, aiding and abetting the, the primary suspect. That's not something you see oftentimes happening so quickly. Um, so, I don't know if that was – I don't know how much you can talk about it, obviously, but I don't know how much of that was a uh, an attempt to get him to kind of come out of hiding and how much of that was just purely she was completely obstructing the investigation and, and abetting this this suspect.
5: I think the answer is all of the above, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, because, uh, because, look uh, – uh, You know, I said at the press conference, and I'll say it again, uh, those uh, West Jordan police detectives really need to be commended. Uh, uh, We had a staff of attorneys and our investigators working with the hand in hand with them as they uh, started to as they started to decipher what was going on. Uh, All of the other sister law enforcement agencies also saw this crime and lent support. And it was a very dynamic, developing uh, investigation. So they were getting bits of information, and they were putting that. And we said that in our, pr- our press conference and our charging documents. that They were able to gather certain forensic evidence from the scene that started to put pieces together, and then they were just moving down the line uh, uh, like this unfolding investigation. And they came across and uh, uh, the 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 wife who we charged with obstruction because. After the incident happened, he made contact, she helped facilitate, she knew that uh, he was uh, wanted uh, in relation, she knew what was going on, she helped facilitate some obstruction, so we charged her uh, uh, immediately while he was uh, uh, fleeing the jurisdiction. But the officers kept uh, uh, working that piece of the equation of that investigation all the way le- leading them to Stockton, California. Uh, we were able to uh, develop some intelligence uh, right on there to find out where he was, contacted the marshals, and were able to take him into custody and uh, bring a conclusion to this, uh, uh, this investigation. But, uh, sh- you know, we, uh, we filed the charges that we did at the time uh, based on uh, the, uh, uh, her role that she played in it. Uh, and we feel very comfortable with the charges that we filed. And as we continue to go forward, we will uh, continue to work that case. And then, of course, subsequently, we we're able to bring uh, 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 Albert uh, Johnson back to our jurisdiction and charge mm-hmm. him with uh, 10 felonies, including two, uh, two aggravated murders uh, in the death of those uh, two uh, individuals.
0: And to be clear, he's not one of the ones you guys let out of. <laughs> no.
5: and, 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 and absolutely. And first of all, let me be also be very clear, because I would be remiss. Remember, these are allegations only. True, uh, I, this, and And there's a, a presumption of innocence that applies to Mr. Johnson, to everybody in our criminal justice system. And uh, we take that very seriously. These are allegations on our part. He is entitled to have his day in court. He is presumed to be innocent, and uh, and we will address that. We filed based on what we the, uh, the we have. And not to get back to your other point, Chris, uh, Chris that you're right because one of the things that uh, we did when we started to work on this jail reduction, uh, working with the legal defender's office with our court, uh, is that we wanted to make sure that we were we knew that as resources depleted, crime was not going to go away. And we wanted to have an empty jail bed at the county jail for that violent offender who was a risk to our community. And you've heard me say this before. Mm -hmm. If we're going to talk about criminal justice reform, we really need to examine who is sitting there in our jails awaiting that adjudication. So we didn't compromise on public safety. We wanted to make sure there was an empty jail bed for that violent offender. Uh, And uh, and we created an opportunity for the sheriff to have the maximum flexibility to be able to quarantine people as infection would come. And to give her the maximum flexibility to address this pandemic, uh, and uh, and uh, and 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 what that demonstrated, Chris, is something that we can take forward. Because I know you want to talk about bail reform. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that. How this is also interconnected with this.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to that- go right to that because you know <laughs> a, a guy like that. You know, that's a, that's the type of crime that warrants either a high bail or a rejection of bail altogether because of the, the amount of evidence against him, uh, and, you know, the, the severity, the severity and violence and situation of the crime versus, you know, a guy that gets busted for drug paraphernalia, uh, mm-hmm. and ends up having to go to jail because he didn't show up for court or something.
5: Absolutely. And if, and if you got somebody who is, uh, somebody who is not a violent offender, who has uh, got a drug addiction, uh, sure, we can, uh, uh, we can certainly move the wheels of justice forward. But a person who otherwise is sitting there awaiting adjudication, there are collateral consequences for that. They may lose their job. They may lose their housing. It it may have a devastating impact on other dependents of that family member from that person that they're relying upon. So the collateral consequences can be quite severe. And again, keep in mind, I'm not talking about uh, uh, abdicating accountability here. What I am talking about is proportionalizing the risk and making sure that the collateral consequences aren't disproportionate to the conduct that that person is being held accountable for because, unfortunately, that is one of the residues of our criminal justice system is the uh, the collateral consequences, which are disproportionate to the underlying accountability that we have. So the lesson that we're learning from this is you don't have to compromise public safety, but you can still have smart policies without the negative uh, uh, impact of these collateral consequences without also ending up in a disproportional impact on people separate from them being held accountable for the conduct that you're prosecuting them for. And, and so the data is certainly coming forward to say that, uh, that we may want to learn from this lesson. And this is something that I've been advocating for a long time. And this pandemic necessitated and is helping us gather data to help actually postulate that we can end up having reform without compromising public safety.
2: I remember we, we talked about this we talked about that the last time we had you on. So yeah. And that was one of the things that you had intended to do. And
0: if, if I remember correctly, um, before the pandemic really started to take hold, there was there was already word that you were changing the bail system.
5: Right. Uh, and so you were
0: moving down that path.
5: And I have good positive news, right? This last legislative sessions, uh, a Representative Pitcher and we, so I went up on the hill and spoke in behalf of it and supported it because, as you, you're right, uh, because last time I was there, I talked about one of the things I wanted to take on uh, in this uh, 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 tenure was to address the issue of cash bail and uh, what is a, what what a disproportionate impact it has, and that we can come up with some sensible uh, uh, reform. So this last legislative session, which will go into effect, by the way, in October uh, of this year, uh, actually passed a new bail reform where it took the focus away. So, so it, cash is not the only consideration. It is one consideration amongst the whole of almost 20 other considerations that you can have uh, for that person. And uh, and because the arguments for cash bail have always been, well, you need it for public safety. Well, no, if you're a rich person, you can actually get out on a heinous crime. <laughs> yes. And, and so, it, so it's not addressing the issue of public safety. And But if you're a poor person, its impact can be devastating for all the collateral reasons that I mentioned. And, uh, and, uh, and it has nothing to do with public safety. Uh, and so there was a fight on the Hill. Uh, and I had the privilege to go and speak in support of that, and uh, and, uh, it, uh, and and it got passed, and it's going to go into effect. And in fact, the stuff that we're already doing will actually help facilitate the implementation of that one that goes into effect in October one. And uh, there were a lot of people who had a very knee jerk reaction, you know, the 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 Earth is going to fall and uh K one <laughs> itself, and the Sun is going to you know implode and whatever. If you do this, and uh, I think what this is demonstrating that you can actually have that reform, and that uh, that that bail reform is uh, going into effect in October. So I'm happy to report that uh, that was something of uh, which was a success uh, in the legislature this year.
1: If you were here, we would high five you, but we can
5: do it. Let's do it.
4: Let's do the air five. Yeah, yeah,
0: this is safer anyway with COVID.
1: (laughs) Way
0: to follow so, through. <laughs> I actually have a question about COVID and the jail population. So Utah is, you know, in terms of, especially per capita, leading the nation in terms of testing, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, we've tested, we were talking about it before you came on. We've tested over 150,000 people now in the state of Utah, um, which is, which is remarkable. That's a huge chunk of our population. Um, have we been able to test the entire population of the prison for COVID yet? Or, so, or the county jail or any of the so, other local.
5: So that's a good segue into, you remember, we're getting sued uh, by the ACLU. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, those are, the, the, you know, when people say, what are the perks of your job? Like I said, you know, you get sued all the time, you know. So, <laughs> I've been sued more more than I think, you know, uh, I'm an Indian, so I believe in reincarnation. I think I've been sued for like three lifetimes, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, uh, but so uh, look uh, uh, knock on wood uh, uh, we have not had a po- positive COVID case in uh, the jail since April 14th or 15th I believe. Uh, the other thing is that uh, of the uh, um, uh, of the tests that were tested positive. They were not in the adult detention center. That's important to note that it was in the Oxbow facility, which is physically separate from the adult detention center. And because of the steps that the sheriff had taken, they were able to trace that down into the laundry room of the Oxbow uh, uh, facility. And they were able to isolate those individuals who who were tested, who tested positive positive. And the process that the sheriff has implemented, which is every person who comes in there, they're doing temperature checks. They first, uh, when you come in, you go into 14 days of quarantine uh, to be uh, symptom-free. They're checking their temperature. Then they go into a secondary quarantine of another 14 days. So you're 28 days symptom-free before you get to get into the general population. So that is the process that she set in place and as a result uh, it, uh knock on wood again because nobody's immune from this uh the infection rate has been relatively small uh in the in the Salt Lake County jail now that not may not be the uh, the the reality in Rikers Island or in Chicago or Philadelphia <laughs> or somewhere else and all of a sudden ACLU takes this information of their national stuff, the uh, you know hyperbole from there and the, 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 all this stuff that's going on wrong in New York, and then they decide to sue the 29 counties, including Salt Lake County, without talking to us, without having this conversation, not realizing or willing to acknowledge that even before this pandemic started to come, that we were already releasing people uh, from the jail, who were not a risk to the community. And then the other step that we took is that we started to use summons rather than warrants. So we were not actually contributing to the flow of people going. That's why we've been able to reduce it from about 2,100 down to 1,300 prisoners, right? Because we were also slowing the number of people because it made no sense to release people if we were just going to be churning up warrants. Just pushing them back in. Right, yeah. (laughs) So it was a combination of those affirmative actions that depress that number down. Uh, and uh, and th- so they filed this lawsuit, which I've said, look, I'm a member of the ACLU and uh, I pay my dues for it, but I call it a frivolous waste of time lawsuit yeah, because say, a big they, waste they of money. did not talk to us. They didn't take the time to look at what we were actually doing in Salt Lake County. And, and that's really what I'm angry about. Uh, you know, because here are all the positive, affirmative steps that we're doing to address this unprecedented uh, uh, challenge in our community. And you did not need to sue us. You needed to sit down and have a conversation. And we could have sit, uh, had gone to the community and said, hey, here's the right model. And there are genuine concerns. And what are we doing to mitigate it? How are we doing it? So, But their whole thing is, no, no, uh, you can't meet it. You must not be doing something right. You're wrong. And release everybody. And I'm going release everybody <laughs> because now they're modifying. Well, we didn't mean everybody, but except in your pleadings, you meant everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so what? Am I supposed to release the rapist, the murderer, uh, the child Are molester? Have they not
2: seen Batman when they, when yep. they release everybody out of Arkham? <laughs> <laughs> like everything goes, you can't do that.
5: <laughs> yeah. so, so that that's really what my frustration is. My frustration is... <clears throat> Folks, you know, when people are doing something right, acknowledge that. You know, don't use the same broad criticism that may work in New York to say that's what we're doing here. And let's, let's, uh, and I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying everybody's perfect, but my God, let's acknowledge the positive things that we're doing so we can at least contextualize what the criticism is. Yep, that makes sense. You know, so that's the. it's a frustration.
0: So Sam, I know yeah. you have questions for us.
5: Is it is it our yeah. turn now? Well, you know, yeah. Let's let's you know. Look, uh, we'll talk about everything, you know. But uh, <laughs> you know, so so let's start with this. We'll make the round table here because I think you four are very unique individuals and uh, and uh, and I think you bring together a really interesting energy when the four of you get together it reminds me of like the power rangers remember when we were little kids <laughs> everybody would put their rings together and collectively would be there so uh, let's do a round table here and let's say describe uh, your politics in five words or less oh wow five words or wow. less
4: wow that's tough
5: yeah I didn't <laughs> say they were going to be easy, you know? <laughs>
3: okay. So this is super <laughs> simplified before somebody else takes it. But I feel like it should be something like live and let live.
5: Live and let live. I like that. Uh, and and uh, so what do you mean by that, right? When you so talk about
0: live and let live. You live. said five words, though. Come on now. Live and <laughs> let live. But, anyway, but,
3: but I get to expand it. Yeah. So basically, don't tread on others' rights. Other people shouldn't tread on your rights. So we all go out and we live our lives without trying to to change and impact other people's lives, right? So you get to bring up your children and and you get to lord over them. But, you know, Nancy walking in the market, you don't need to, you know, get in her face about something or... uh, Chris heard some really savage stories about some things that are happening in retail where people are, you know, pulling up outside of doors and refusing to leave because they want service or kicking people and knocking them down because they get too close to them or, you know, just being so distracted. They're causing traffic accidents because they're getting so up in arms about all of this stuff. Just pay attention to what you're doing do the best that you can do with yourself and the things that you can control. And if somebody else doesn't, then you let someone else that's in charge handle it. Something like, like you would call the police if something gets out of control instead of trying to go, you know, get your gun and handle it yourself or kick somebody or whatever. So live and let live to me just means take care of yourself. And as long as everybody is taking care of themselves and the people around them, their families, their, their children and stuff, we've, Probably wouldn't be hurting other people.
5: So, so where do you think that level of intolerance is coming from, though? I mean, that seems to be kind of that because that's a wonderful idea in the in each person there's there, but but people feel compelled, and there's a sense of intolerance that, that they feel entitled to do, and that okay. seems to be reflected in our politics, in our social interactions. Where do you think that's coming from? I think some of it is
3: fear. Um, things were, I think things were changing, um, you know, what, four, six, even eight years ago, things were, things were changing. There were changes on the horizon. Um, and I think that there were a lot of people that were really, really uncomfortable with those changes. Um, and so when we, we got a more conservative, a more, um, intolerant, Leadership involved in in the country as a whole. People who before had been ashamed to feel um, their intolerant ideas and express those intolerant ideas, then felt emboldened, and so then they felt like it's o- it's okay for me to to spew hate speech at someone. And while people are right, words don't hurt. Words cause actions in some other people. When you, you have to, you can't go scream fire in, in a theater. You know, that's the, that's the saying, right? Because you'll cause a panic and people can get hurt if there's no real fire there. And I think a lot of people are, are afraid of that change and in trying to hang on to, you know, an old ideal or an old way that they think is working that may or may not be, they are they're making judgments on people there's wow. there's a lot of stuff going on at my work right now where i was talking to my boss today and he had an insight into a, a problem that i was having and as soon as he said it i knew he was right and right. But I had to settle down and I had to listen to what he had to say. We're not listening to anybody because we're too busy trying to make them be what we think they should be and make them do what we think they should do. Make them be more like us instead of just making sure we're doing the right things and hoping that other people see that we're doing the right things and that they also try to do the right things.
4: Wow.
5: Yeah, I think you're right. Jessica, five words <laughs> or less.
1: Yes, I'm going to take a, a a play by the book of Governor Cuomo and just say just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts.
4: Just the
5: facts. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, I like that. Not to elaborate. So, 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 is the, do you think there's a dearth of facts in our uh, current culture, uh, or in our politics, or our social interaction, or so? Why just the facts, ma'am? Well, I think the
1: I mean anything that you want to know about, you can research it uh bills uh any type of conversation I mean, Congress hearings were on YouTube today, like if you want to hear that stuff, just go listen to it and and it just I don't understand the conspiracies and and the fakeness behind news, and so. When Cuomo started saying that about the COVID situation, I was like, yeah, that like, it's not that hard to go and research what you're curious about. So that's just the facts.
5: So, so why, do you, why do you think if the information is so readily available to us, what do you think the misstep is that we're not accessing it? Because you're right. You, you and I can have any question that we want. And if we spent maybe five seconds uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, on the Internet. We can start pulling some information that might inform us. Is it the source of the information or is it going back a little bit to what uh, uh, Brie was saying, uh, that uh, we want those facts to be our facts? And from that, the, those facts, I get to assert something. I mean, it's a really interesting phenomenon that's going around because we are, we're the age of knowledge and information, information highway, and you would think that would be liberating us. But right now, it seems like it's actually imprisoning us in a way.
1: For sure. For sure. We don't have to go to a library and pull a card to go find a book to learn about something. Like, it's just at our fingertips. And I would say, if I had to answer that quickly, it's just pure laziness. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people are headline readers. And, I mean, we're all guilty of that. Instead of, you know... I think something that's interesting is, you know, a newspaper will post an article and the picture doesn't have anything to do with it. Well, that's just the algorithm that however they posted it, that's how it decided to post. And so, you know, people are gullible, gullible and lazy. How's that for an
5: answer? (laughs) (laughs) And the algorithms that are feeding that information are feeding us uh, in a very direct way. So maybe just enough information to make us dangerous, right? Oh yeah, exactly for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Jeremy. Oh, okay. I would I would say if I had to simplify it, go with the flow. Meaning every so often we all just need to step back and look at the big picture and no don't get so caught up in the minute day-to-day, the small things. Life is good. Life is happy. There's a lot of good out there. There's good people. There's a lot to be happy about, sure, there's a lot to be frustrated with, and there's a lot of ugliness, but you know what? Let's go with the flow. let's relax let's let's look at the positive, let's find the positive. Let's talk about the positive. Life's good, life's happy. We should keep it that way
5: so So, why do you think that we're missing the opportunity to enjoy the uh, the joyfulness of life, the ease of life because uh, look, we are, all of us live relatively comparatively to the rest of the world in relative comfort comparatively right. to the poverty that's there and even the poverty that's in our own community. Right. And uh, what do you think is the, the driving force that in spite of all that we have, that we can't seem to find that level of joy to be able to go with that flow?
2: Fear. I think it's fear. I think it comes down to fear in whatever form. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of, of what other people could do, what other people might do. We're afraid of what our neighbors do or don't have. And instead of letting the fear get to us, we need to set the fear aside and look at the good. Because there really is so much good. We live in a great place. Utah has its weirdness, but Utah is a wonderful place to live. There are wonderful people in Utah.
5: And there's nothing wrong with weirdness. It adds spice (laughs) to life,
2: right? (laughs) Look at all the the good. When when things like this COVID-19 happened— Look at all the good things that come out of Utah. Look at all of the people who come together. Uh, the nurses who went to New York. The the, the what was it five hundred thousand masks, something that they were, or, or five million masks that they were sewing. Some phenomenal amount of masks yeah. <laughs> that they're sewing and donating. So there's just despite despite the bad, there's just so much good, and I think we need to dwell on that. It's sad that in the news. You tend to hear more of the bad stories, the negative stories, the stories that that induce fear and not enough of the positive, the good, because there is a lot. There's a lot of good.
5: But I mean, we're consumers. We drive that consumer and that drive. So so there's obviously an appetite for that fear. There's an appetite to generate those kind of headlines. And uh, because I think I think I think you're onto something there because look there's a disconnect between our personal desire for happiness and our public interaction which is counterintuitive and productive to that same desire that we're seeking and so uh, the it, it it's almost like a structural defect that uh, obstructs our desire to go with the flow you know and yep. uh, and I think you you know that's uh, you know I think you're right on the money all right chris my man I would not <laughs> Yeah, I had the most Uh, time to think about it, too.
4: Preach, preach,
5: brother, preach. Let's hear it.
3: I want to hear these five words because you always have a lot to say about politics. Yeah, it's
0: really tough to stick um, things into five words because I think it's so much more complex. Um, And so I would... Just remember,
5: he has more questions to ask. But I want to know what those five words are. That's what I'm curious about.
0: Uh, I I would say... um, the super complex social contract.
5: Super complex social contract. What is
0: that? <laughs> so, I mean, I I think, like, the things that popped in my head initially was the social contract, because I think the social contract in large part defines how I believe politically things should be and how I behave politically. Um, the social contract uh, written by Rousseau, um, way back in the Dark Ages, basically, it wasn't quite Jean, that Jacques.
5: Jean yeah, Jacques Rousseau, Jean
0: Jacques Rousseau. Um, but the the idea that the people that people should govern themselves, and that uh, I mean, essentially, you give up certain rights so that you can maintain certain other freedoms as a as a general large populace, and that the government has to be. Um, not representative, but directly impacted by the people um, because that's who governs them. Um, That kind of embodies it, but it's, it's just, it's not that simple, right? So I have yet to read one overarching philosophy on politics or economy that doesn't have a total failure, like capitalism, Great system in theory until you get to the top and the end of capitalism and you end in an an economy where you have a Walmart that controls everything. They control jobs. They control supply lines. They dictate prices and they cause what could be a very healthy ecosystem to completely crumble. And then you have socialism. And we've seen where socialism uh, in extremes can take you to really bad society, societies that don't function well. And so I don't think there's any one one system or one philosophy that totally embodies exactly how people should behave and how they should interact because we're people and we're fallible and nothing that we can come up with is, is going to be perfect, to be quite honest. So I think it's super complex and I think so, that that's the closest.
5: So so if if there's a systems failure... Do you think the answer lies more closer to home in terms of our humanity and dignity as people is the answer in the attitude and the things that we learn that uh, the while we're looking for that external systemic answer for us maybe it is something internal to us as human beings and uh, and something coming more congruent with our agency and a system that is more reflective and conducive to that agency, and 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 that's where the system fails us because there's an incongruence with us, or the system promises something, and in a moderation it's fine, but it is the uh, unbridled access that destroys it. You know, my 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 one of my hypotheses is that when we won the Cold War, we lost as a democracy. And I sometimes Mm -hmm. say that because when we had that Cold War enemy there, it forced us to be better about, more mindful about our system. So when the Soviet Union would say to us, you don't treat your workers right because we will. And they said, no, look at how great our labor unions are and people can have a work and they can earn a living and they can buy a house. And when they would say, you treat your marginalized people uh, really poorly, you don't treat African-Americans and minorities. We say, no, no, check out how cool our system is because yeah, look how much minorities really fair and everything. And so we win the Cold War, uh, War the uh, w- capitalism win. And then we go through this era of uh, unchecked system, unbridled uh, capitalism with nothing to check itself. And then it is the excess of that uh, that leads to the, uh, to the dysfunction that we ended. And I'll give you one example. Since 1980 uh, to now, we've had about an 89% increase in our GDP, uh, the wealth that we have. And the lowest population got about 20% of that. Uh, increase from the, what their previous status was. The middle class got about forty to fifty percent, and we're going, hey, that's pretty good. But the top one percent got four hundred and twenty percent increase to uh, to that benefit from that. And uh, and so so the, so is it is it a systems failure because it's unchecked, or is it something more fundamental to us as humans, uh, Chris? That's the question that I would pose to you. Um,
0: you know, I. I... I think it's a systems failure. I think most of humanity uh, at its core is um decent. And I think what happens and I, I think that in the numbers you just described uh that is that is very um visible. So you have that top 1%. Now I'm not saying that top 1% um all of them are bad because they're certainly amazing standouts. The Bill and yes. Melinda Gates of the world that have so much money they can't give it away fast enough and they're doing amazing things for people all over the world those are not the the rule those are the exception to the rule in that top class you know you have other people in that class that you know absolute power corrupts absolutely i don't know that i believe that as a whole i think if the average person one i don't think the average person could handle doing something like being president of the united states i think that's a, an insane job that I don't think anyone that takes it is even close to prepared for. Um, but I think the average person would probably, the reason they would probably struggle so much with that is the same reason most people can't end up as leaders in companies. And that's because they struggle to make those hard decisions because at the end of the day, those decisions affect people and people don't want to negatively affect each other. I think the problem is the kind of person more often than not that that is able to step up and take that leadership role doesn't care enough about people. And so it's easy for them to say, well, if, you know, I have to take another 5% of my population and put them into poverty, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and, and that Megan's that me and my buddies do better. And overall, maybe the country's better. And it's, it's a flawed, almost utilitarian view. So I don't think it's the individual. That's the problem uh, as a whole, like in, in mass. So I think it's a systemic problem because when those people get into power, it becomes an individual problem for them. But I think as a whole, people uh, are better than that. And I think yeah. they would make better decisions. I just think it's, I think it's a difficult prospect because most people that are good natured and good hearted can't get into those positions because they can't do what it takes anymore to get there
5: you know utilitarianism on a personal individual level is an interesting description utilitarian in the hands of authority is subject to abuse because somebody's yeah. going to lose you know and uh, and uh, and so it's an interesting translation from the individual to that leadership model that you're talking about, because I think uh, uh, that's where uh, it becomes disconnected. And, uh, and I think if there's a political commentary for our times is a, a interesting alienation between the average person, uh, regardless of what your politics are, whether you're libertarian, republican, or democrat, whatever, uh, and, uh, and, the, and those who actually hold power and uh, and that disconnect to that common experience, you know, you know, when I, you know, when I, you know, I gave a speech a while back, actually, when Trump was running, I said, you know, don't confuse the idea of Trump, the man uh, against Trump, the idea, because we can be very critical of Trump, the man for what he does. But what you really focus should be on what is the idea, Trump, the idea, because he's sparking something in people and uh, and there is a lack of understanding, a sense of alienation that they feel that is resonating between, between them and their desire to exercise that political power in Trump, the idea. And I think the political parties really underestimated what Trump, the idea that was lying dormant, uh, that Brie touched upon, that all of a sudden unleashed uh, uh, once you come into power, uh, that intolerance of that, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. Uh, but you know, look, we're getting too heavy here. So let me <laughs> let me let me transition a little bit here, okay? Quick 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 answer with a short explanation. Uh, uh, Jessica, red or white? Why?
1: Uh, red because it's fiery. Like
5: okay. My hair. Okay. So red, white, or, wine or white wine?
1: Uh, I don't drink, but uh, white. White.
5: <laughs> Bree, red or white?
3: Um, red. It's one of my favorite oh. colors.
5: Okay. So, uh, any particular favorite red? Uh, Cabernet, Merlot, Pinots, Bordeaux. Um, gosh.
0: She likes barefoot sweet red blend. Yeah, I do. I, I do <laughs> like. Her I
3: like a more sweet red. So. Okay. Yeah.
5: A little rosé.
3: Yeah, I, I tend to lean more toward lighter, fruitier, fruitier yeah. wines.
5: Yeah, uh, Chris, red or white? For wine, red. Uh, red.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
5: Which uh, any particular region you favor more than others?
0: Uh, I'm not that much of a wino, um,
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but I, I love uh, a really, really good Cabernet. And that's probably my favorite type
5: of wine yeah. for sure. So, Jeremy, red. Red. Any particular red uh, that comes to mind?
2: So I went to the U. So.
5: To you, and you, right? <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm gonna give you an air five right here. There you go. You, you graduates, right there. You know. So, so, so listen, we've been in this COVID uh, craziness here. So we we all of a sudden find our life disrupted, our normal process disrupted. Uh, what is the uh, what is it that you have experienced that you've learned about yourself as you've gone through this sort of social distancing, isolation, or the change in work habits that you've had. Jeremy, What? how has this impacted you? How does this uh, – uh, what, what are you learning about yourself through this process? Uh,
2: that I shouldn't touch our Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put our Twitter account in jail. It's probably going to be about gone. About a month ago. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he put it on death row. For trying to help – So I've learned that social media is really not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, what have you learned
5: through this uh, process?
0: Uh, I think uh, the thing that I've learned the most is I am not as liberal as I thought I was. Um, I I am – people have probably heard me the last few weeks on the show – you know i i listen to like radio from hell i love those guys i can't listen to them right now i literally have stopped listening to them because they're so far on one end and so closed off to the thought of you know look we're in utah we have 6000 cases 6400 cases we haven't had a big spike in exponential curve it's been a very steady growth which is what we all said we wanted um and they still are are terrified to go outside and to to hug their family that doesn't live with them. And there is a there is a level of isolation uh, that I think is too much. Uh, and I think that I, just realizing the especially on the economic side, how difficult it is for me to. Be okay with what we've done to local businesses um, in response in a, in a knee jerk response to a pandemic that, to be quite honest, nationally hasn't even really had a, a drop in the bucket on impact as far as I'm, as I'm concerned. When we look at our numbers compared to the global numbers, so
5: I, I think the, I think the fear is genuine. Uh, look, uh, when you're living paycheck to paycheck uh, and you're uh, you know and your job comes to an end. And that while there's this stimulus that's out there that may or may not arrive at your front door, uh, you still have the bare reality of kids who are not in school, they're home, you're not earning, uh, you're worried about this thing that's out there. uh, And uh, and I, I think the point that you're making is a valid one. You know, there's an existential urgency that sometimes in the academic circles we forget about. And and I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. It's not a binary choice of either left or right on that point of it, but a pragmatic answer, a common sense uh, answer, which recognizes the real challenges that people are facing in day-to-day, because unless you're there worried about getting that food for your family or or the rent that's due where you don't have a uh, landlord who is understanding, because he or she also have a mortgage payment to pay, Mm -hmm. that reality comes home really quickly. And you don't have the luxury, uh, you don't have the luxury, uh, certainly in these times to, to take that risk. And I think we have to be sensitive to that and not ridicule it. By the same token, on the other hand, we have a disease, we have a pandemic, and there's no cure for it. We don't know how it is moving because there was a study that came out today, I think, uh, uh, identifying fifty children and how it's manifesting mm-hmm. itself in, in that. And we're we we're just we don't have an understanding of it. Uh, we don't know how this is mutating, how it's w- what the full scope and span of it is. And uh, and then you have people who are like you know in your face and and uh, and they're not exercising. Going back to your point earlier, Bree. They're intolerant of my presence here mm-hmm. and the, that I've got elderly parents and I'm going to go interact with them. And while you're exercising your liberty here, it's not self-contained to you. If it was an island and I could create a bubble of uh, of uh, gravity around you and those uh, germs just hung around you and swirled around. Remember what was pig, pig pen and pig pen. Uh, <laughs> in, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> you know, that's the image that gets to my mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And these, 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 these COVID germs are just hovering around you with the critical gravity of your personhood. Fine, I'm okay with that, right? But uh, it's, it's, it's got to be a balance somewhere there. So I, I agree with you, Chris. I mean, it's a really fascinating sort of thing. Uh, so Bree, what have you learned about yourself through this COVID? In, uh, isolation, quarantine, disruption of your normalcy.
3: I've learned two things about myself. The first one is I don't miss the people at my work. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we have like, you know, our little chats and stuff. And I, I started a chat with, with all of my counterparts that we can, you know, throw ideas back and forth or just check on everybody every day. But there are some people who are begging to go back to work. Now, I'm I'm sitting in a perfect situation, right? I have an empty nest. So I have kids, but they they don't live with me. So I have, I don't have anybody bothering me. Chris is home with me, but he's, he's down in the basement and I'm upstairs in one of my daughter's old rooms. So we're very separated. We really don't see each other during the day. We still communicate the same way we did at work and I get so much more done and I don't have to deal with weird office politics because I'm not a huge people person. I, when I said live and let live, it's, I don't, I don't want anybody else bugging me and I, I'm not going to judge anybody else either. Like, I hear weird things and I think, oh, if I were a different person, I'd say something and I just go on with what I'm what I'm working on. So I have learned that. And the other thing is I've learned that uh, Chris and I get along better than than I thought. We don't <laughs> we, we haven't dri- driven each other too crazy and and we've got we got bikes for each other for Mother's and Father's Day so that we could go and, and ride around our our uh, neighborhood and jeremy's doing some work in in one part of our neighborhood and we drove past his stuff and so i've learned that i can be a little more uh, self-contained than i ever thought i could it's nice to see people but i don't have to see people
5: wow jessica <laughs> quietly sitting there meditatively reflecting
1: yeah well i had to think back to the beginning of all this because it also started when we had a major string of earthquakes um, (laughs) in Salt Lake, which uh, I didn't feel any of them. (laughs) um, I I think I found myself a little frustrated with people more than I normally am. Um, I'm usually try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but watching some of my friends' behaviors through some of this has been very trying for me. And so um, I've really tried to kind of step away from a lot of things, just surround myself with people that um, are of like mind, just because I don't want to be frustrated with people that I love, because their concerns are valid. So that's what I'm learning about <laughs> myself during this. I'm working normal hours, like in the office, we haven't closed. So like that part of my life hasn't changed at all.
0: So what, I've also learned I've
4: also worker. learned
1: I, yeah I've also learned that um a lot of my coworkers are the people that would probably kill you for your toilet paper so <laughs> <laughs> that's nice
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay so, you know but uh, you know it's fascinating because you know it's really really interesting to see uh how people are reacting because we have to interact with them and how they're dealing with the stress and it's fascinating to see parts of personalities that you didn't see before kind of emerge out of that as well, right? It really is impacting all of us in really interesting and profound ways and personal ways, uh, you know. Uh, But so here's my question, a two-part question. Uh, And uh, first of all, is it going to be Trump or Biden? That's my first question. And the second question is, who should Biden pick as his running mate? I mean, (laughs) if you could advise... Biden. And you say, hang on a second, dude, you're getting it wrong. Let me tell you why this is the best candidate for you to pick. I'm curious about that. You know, you guys talk about politics. And I think inquiring minds out there in your audience land (laughs) want to know, Okay, they are inquisitive. They want to know. Everybody wants to know, you know, Chris, where are you on this important question? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start, huh? You're going to start. I look. I'm I'm egalitarian. I I rotate around. You know. <laughs> well, I, I I I'll be honest with you. I don't
0: know which one is going to win. Um, they're they're so similar in terms of their capabilities. My big worry. I think Biden would be a slam dunk given what's going on right now. We're in a different kind of. I was talking to Bree about this. Um, last week, maybe, maybe I was talking, I was when I was talking with John and you and everyone else, there's a difference here. So we talk, um, a lot about how nine 11 brought the country together, right? The part of the reason why a war nine 11, you know, Pearl Harbor, nine 11, things like that bring the country together is, you know, after nine 11, there was nine 12 and nothing happened on nine 12 and people went back to work. And people were able to congregate and people were able to support each other and keep people had a common enemy vigils. And we have a faceless enemy and we can't yeah. gather in groups to support each other and to support. We, we can't even go to funerals like we, yeah. you know, we can now, but funerals of less than 20 people. When some people you go into a funeral, there's 200 people there because that person was so loved and it yeah. brings people together. And so this is a very different sort of crisis. And I, I don't know that, the, the way that Trump is acting in this crisis, even for his like, there's his extreme base, but then there's all the other people that voted for him that aren't his base. Um, and and I don't know that they can support him. The downside is, as much as I want to not vote for Trump, and I, I won't, um, because <laughs> that's me, but I, I think Biden is showing his age, and I think Biden has clearly got some mental problems um you know sadly i, I think he's probably into more, a, more
5: than the current office holder <laughs> <And that's laughs> different, a different 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 age for qualifying Jessica, yeah,
0: yeah you but, I, but i but i see them i mean I, I, they're they're equal in different manners so i think that second question that you asked who his running mate is yes is probably the most important question yes because i think that ultimately will determine what faith people put in, because I honestly, truly believe that a vote for Joe Biden is actually a vote for his running mate, because I don't know if he can make it through four years of office.
5: Yeah, that's a genuine concern I have as well. You know, if he dies in the office, uh, who's the because I think that's the most critical choice, you know, because there is, it's, it is not unreasonable to think that that he may not survive through that office. And if he doesn't, who is it that who's going to take over? Right. Uh, you know, so. So, and so I
0: have. I have three. I have three, not one. No, you
5: get to choose one. It's, it's really you, tough. Get, you get, it's get to really choose tough. one, and, and <laughs> so you're gonna have to own this and go all in on that choice. It uh, has to be a woman.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't think a man is going to do it, uh, and I think a, a woman of color is more likely. Um, okay. Though I, I personally don't care about that part. I I do think a woman is necessary. I think he needs to choose. There's so many strong women to choose from. Um. I personally am really saddened that Tulsi Gabbard dropped out of the race. I think I knew
3: you were gonna say that. <laughs>
0: Tulsi Gabbard to me would be was too. a fantastic vice president. Um, i I think she has the foreign policy gumption, which is you know anyone that really knows what goes on with presidency and vice presidency. the vice president is your your foreign policy guru he's the one or she 's the one that goes out and and actually does most of that work in a normal presidency um so i I would say Tulsi Gabbard. But it's really hard because there's two others that that I think are are super awesome.
1: I
5: know. So I'm not going to (laughs) say them. I'm not going to say them. I'll let someone else answer now. It it, it, it kind of forces you to choose, you know. And so, you know, there are two desserts on the menu, but you can only order one. So (laughs) you're going to have to make a
0: choice. So, look, my hope (laughs) is that that another one gets chosen as, like, Secretary of State.
5: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, We'll come back to that. Jessica, your thoughts.
1: Uh, I I think Chris covers all of my sentiments probably to a T. My concerns are definitely, um, you know, his memory and his age. And so, again, having a solid vice president uh, is key. And I think when he does announce that will probably determine his votability, I think, um, even more than people that already support him. I don't know who I want. I I'm with Chris. There's a couple. I really I would I want him to choose Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> right. I know he okay.
5: wouldn't, but I just I really
1: I think okay. she would be awesome.
5: She she would certainly have the gravitas and no nonsense approach of the work that needs to be done by a vice president. And I think she would scare a few people, which is a good thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? so which is not a bad thing. You know. Uh, Brie,
3: it tells a lot about me. I um, I gosh, I don't know how to even describe it. My political views tend to be fairly fairly broad and not very specific. Um, my philosophy of live and let live really is my philosophy of that, and I wish that more people would would do that. And so I struggle because. Um, I don't think that we've had really, really great, absolutely wonderful candidates very often in the last few decades. Where you know it's just full board. Now I loved President Obama. I know a lot of people didn't. I I really love Michelle Obama. So I'm gonna go just totally just out there and say well, I would have to vote for Biden just because there's no way I could vote for Trump. Um, even with well, who his, do you
0: think will win? Even with.
3: I'm just saying who I'm voting for because I can't say the, the, the will of the American people <laughs> are so weird, but I would love to see someone powerful. That's not necessarily, there may be somebody out there like a, like a Michelle or somebody that's really powerful, but I'm with Chris. I think, a, I think it's time to bring a woman on that way since we couldn't bring her on as a president kind of introduce somebody that way that's actually going to be a little more powerful with the presidency that that Joe Biden is running because of some of his um, shortcomings. But maybe there's someone out there right now that can come in. It needs to be somebody who actually knows politics. I'm really tired of people who don't know what they're doing politically. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I know that some people think it's clear the swamp and get rid of all of that. But you don't want somebody running a, a, a business that doesn't know about business. You don't want a doctor yeah. taking care of you that didn't yeah. go through medical school. Um, I would never want to run the country because I don't know enough about the details of how this country actually runs to be able to make really good decisions. So I would want somebody Just really strong. And I just, I really, I'm I'm with Chris on Tulsi. I do like Elizabeth Warren. I like her sass. Uh, I just, there were some really strong women candidates that that got kicked out that wouldn't make it as president. But I'd like to see one as vice president, and maybe we can finally eventually
2: um, elect a woman as president.
5: Yeah. Jeremy? All right. Well,.
2: I hope Biden, because I don't think we can handle four more years of Trump. So I'm going with Biden, and then I get to pick anybody I want, right? Yeah, anyone, Anyone. anyone. Barack Obama.
5: <laughs>
2: wow! Wow. wow! It could happen. So I said wow. Michelle. There's I'm no actually... rule that says that. You know, happen. I,
5: I think I think I saw that happen in uh, in uh, in with Putin. Right? He was he was in then he was down, and he was down. You know?
0: I'm actually curious. So if he because he can't be elected president for more than two terms. But if he ends up serving as vice president
2: and the president dies, he would be the president. It, yeah, would that would be, be an interesting – because he wouldn't be able to
5: <laughs> he run. Did there. But he, yeah, be an but, interesting he, change he, wasn't because, elect, you know, he wasn't elected into the president. That's an interesting question from a constitutional perspective. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. that, there you go. That's, that, that's fascinating. You know? Okay, I'm
0: going to tell you the other two because you're okay. <laughs> uh, and are, I was
5: coming back to it. So, Chris – <laughs> so I, I think uh, well, I was Kamala rummaging Harris. through my pockets, and I realized we actually had a little extra money. You can order that second and third dessert. <laughs> <of you. laughs>
0: so I think I think Kamala Harris would be a very interesting choice. She would have been my other choice. She's also. super young. Who was,
5: who was that? I'm sorry.
0: Kamala Harris.
5: Oh, uh, okay. There you go.
0: She's super young. She's super progressive. She's not Bernie progressive, um, but she's very, very wicked smart. Mm-hmm. Um, the other person, and this is an interesting candidate that I didn't think about until I listened to her speak on a couple of shows, uh, but Stacey Abrams, who was the, the candidate in, in Georgia that lost to Brian Kemp. Uh, For the gubernatorial race probably shouldn't have lost, but um, we'll not talk about um, all the voter uh, problems that they have in Georgia. Um, But I think she would make a very, very interesting uh, vice president to Bree's point. I think the one thing against Stacey Abrams is she doesn't have that experience. And I would I would be remiss to think that she could step into Washington and really take over and be that foreign dignitary. Uh, so I would like to see her in the cabinet somewhere I think she could she could fill a position there probably quite well um, I think that I think Georgia made a mistake not getting her in office quite well yeah,
5: you know honestly. I like Stacy Abrams but I, I but I you know I go back to sort of Bree's earlier point of uh, the, you know if you look for the characteristics of somebody who is going to be able to run that country and I and uh, I think she's got the right character and a right ethical perspective but she has she's her highest uh, office she's ever had is basically minority whip in georgia right and mm-hmm. uh, and so so that's a that's a big transition but i think she has an incredible future and something to offer to the country and i think some sort of a cabinet position or something like that might give her an opportunity to really kind of uh feel her, you know, uh, stretch her limbs out a little bit and g- get a sense of it and uh, get some seasoning there uh, for the hard knocks of politics, which is kind of crazy, you know. Uh, and uh, But I, I, I think that uh, the, the Kamala Harris, I think, is uh, a badass. She's tough, I think, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, and uh, she's no nonsense. And it's fascinating because she's been mentioned, but she's not out there courting that position, you know. It has been fascinating to see uh, she's sort doing of the her low. Job, right? Yeah, what's that? She's doing her
0: job, right? She's, she's doing a, her job. She's a congressperson, so she's she's doing her job.
5: No, absolutely, absolutely. That's no, fascinating. Okay, but well, last question. You guys okay. are coming on four years, right? You guys have had scores of individuals who you've brought on your program and you've talked to them and asked questions, and the flow is going really good. <laughs> or there's something going on in the back of your head. You're going, "This is the question I want to ask them," but you didn't ask them. What was that question that you wanted to ask that you didn't think about? Does somebody come to does something come to that mind? Because I'm always curious. Because why didn't why not the impulse to ask that question? What was the one question you regretted not asking somebody? I don't know
0: if I've had there. I, we've had a couple of conversations after the mics went off that would have been fantastic, but you know in talking with those people they don't want that stuff out there uh yeah. necessarily so um there's a lot of stuff that that happens like that off mic that's that's not recorded or that's not um broadcast um that's that's really interesting I don't know if I have a single question. Um, there's a lot of times where I'd like to talk about something, but for my own safety, <laughs> my <laughs> own well-being, I, I know things about, you know, people in the community. And I, I, you know, recognize relationships, like connections between some of our guests. And I have to leave that stuff out yeah. uh, until after the interview's over. And that stuff is really interesting stuff, but is not necessarily good for the show. So it's kind of it, like,
5: does
2: it, I would does say that interesting thing. The interesting thing about our show, as opposed to a lot of other podcasts, is we don't go into an interview with, like, 20 questions. Right. Like, right. Our, our format is very open.
3: We have kind of an outline, but not a, a rough draft.
2: And so we tend to just let the conversation go wherever it leads us. Uh so I don't know because, like I said, we, we, we don't just sit down with a set of questions. There are some podcasts that that's how they do, question A, yep. B, C, D, you're done. Ours is just more of a conversation getting to know somebody.
5: That's, uh, so, you know, that's what I've really enjoyed about you guys as well. I think it's a it's a nice circle of you are sitting down and having a beer with somebody and you're talking about things. And I think that's really what it's all about. You get to see and get to know that person in a different setting. You know, you can talk about important things. You can talk about it, but how they answer, how they ask you that question, really starts to give you a sense of where they are. So, so here's here's a question because you have a following, people listen to you, and you guys are these four personalities there, but you each do this for a, for a reason. And I'm curious, and I think people out there are probably a little curious. Why do you do this? What is I think the, Jeremy right? should
2: start. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Jeremy so. start. The reason in starting this particular podcast is I'd been a part of other podcasts. I guess it's probably getting close to 10 years now that I've been doing podcasting. But all of the other podcasts that I was on either had very, very particular uh, subject matter. And so within 25 episodes, and that's kind of the magic number for most podcasts, the majority of podcasts don't make it past 25 episodes because they run out of material, because they don't manage their time because they can't make it work. Anyway, when we sat down and, and were are talking about this podcast, the question is, well, what, what do we do a podcast about? And we wanted to keep it broad enough that we wouldn't run out of material, but that we could cover kind of anything that we wanted. And so that's where we came up with the new Utah podcast. Anything, anyone that has to do with Utah. And the beauty of that is, Utah is constantly changing. The people in Utah come and go. But there's always interesting things. There's always interesting people. I mean, look, we have the sexiest DA alive. <laughs> <laughs> we've had drag queens. We've had food truck operators. Farmers, farmers dentists, doctors, tattoo artists. Uh, uh, so the subject matter, to me at least, never gets old. Okay. And we've... We have interviewed just far more people than I can e- even imagine, and almost, almost every one of those interviews have been amazing and have touched us in in ways that have just been amazing. So that's you know, my reason in doing So If
5: that, I was yes. marketing that, I would say freshness matters, right? Freshness <laughs> matters. <laughs> 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 so you know so uh, jessica why why do you do this why, wh- wh- what's the drive um
1: i love listening to talk radio <laughs> i'm kind of a nerd like that and i love i love interview questions but i don't love flippant interview questions and to have the opportunity to make connections in utah um, with people that are doing incredible things and build those relationships for me personally, um, I mean a lot of them are flippant, but i 've also become friends with a lot of of our guests, and that to me is i mean it 's priceless i i love I love that I love making connections and knowing about people so that 's why I do it
5: wonderful uh, uh, chris
0: um you know, I, I've always wanted to do a podcast and when Jeremy and Josh, uh, first came up with the idea four plus four and a half years ago, probably when we first started talking about it. Um, I was, I was super excited to, to jump into it. Um, I don't know that I thought I'd still be doing it four years later. <laughs> and, and really, at this point now, I don't see an end.
1: But it doesn't feel like four years, too, which no, is really awesome.
0: No, not at all. And, and I don't see an end. And there are some weeks where it's difficult for me to find the time to put together a bunch of notes. But I never feel like the show truly suffers uh, unless I'm having a horrible day and, and then I rely on the other three to to really lead it. I, I think part of the reason I, I continue to do it is I haven't found a shortage of great things and great people to talk to in Utah. And I still to this day, when I travel for work, people will ask me ridiculous questions. Even Even getting on conference calls, how many wives do you have? <laughs> you know? like is there running water and i you know it was it's a joke but utah has amazing things to offer people utah is incredibly progressive for as red of a state as we are there's yeah. so much Progressive, amazing things, and amazing people, and you know we always ask the same question to the people we interview at the end of the show you've you've answered it before, um, and we've changed it a little bit because we have some you know some imitators out there, but you know when we ask people what's something that they couldn't bear to part with or what's you know the one thing that um, they just couldn't live without in Utah those sorts of things, a lot of people say it's the people it you is. know we we had a lot of people say. Just talk to someone. Talk to someone here because the people here, to Jeremy's point earlier, people in this state are so giving and caring and open. Um, And regardless of political views, I'm super liberal. My neighbor dumps garbage onto my front lawn, (laughs) but I would probably do just about anything for them. And I know they would probably do a lot for me. Uh, And we don't interact every day, but – we're really friendly uh, in terms of being neighbors. And that doesn't happen in a lot of places. Yeah, you know, that, you know, that doesn't
5: you, happen. Uh, I was going to say, Chris, you know, we love to complain about the things that we love, you know. So, you know <laughs> well,
0: to be it, fair, I do not love garbage on my front lawn. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the, you know, that's the Utah thing because I remember growing up and I couldn't wait to get the hell out of Utah. And then I left Utah and I said, what a great place, Utah. Is. <laughs> 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 you know? You know, you know, so, you know, it's kind of makes you you're right. I mean, we have some incredible places. We've got incredible people. We have incredible diversity for where we are. And we have a wide range of really interesting, fascinating people. And uh, and if we just kind of turn the gaze towards our own selves and the whole world is here, you know, and it's fascinating to me, you know. So I go ahead. Four years ago, I would have
0: never imagined that we would not have talked to not, – not only have talked to the sexiest D- DA
2: in Utah once, but three, <laughs> three different times. times on the show. Yeah. Um, Aside and, from being a criminal, how else would we have gotten to know you?
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Right? And I've, I've told plenty of people, I mean, in, in talking to you, in per, you're one of the smartest, most well-spoken people that I have ever met uh, in, in real life, in real life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I, I've heard other people. I, I know how smart some other people are uh, from listening to them. But in real life, getting to meet and getting to converse with, you are absolutely one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. And it's, it's, you know, people like you that have a great story and have a lot to give uh, and have a, a beautiful outlook on things that, that make this show so amazing. And that's, that's why I continue to do it.
5: Well, you're very kind. Thank you. And Bree, you've been thinking about this because <laughs> I know you wanted to go last, so we saved you for last. You know. How did so, you, How did you know I wanted to go last? <laughs> See, this is the this is the chemistry of a good conversation. You know. Well, well, semi- I do prefer
3: to go last. I I usually don't like <laughs> to go
0: first. I don't know if you know this because you first talked to us when
4: Bree was. Well, part of the I was going to
3: tell. This is oh, part okay. of my answer. So when. So Jeremy and I have been friends forever. We went to elementary school and stuff together. Um, and then we, we weren't together for, for a while. You know, we went on with our lives or whatever. Um, but he and Josh, when they decided to start this, they invited Jessica. They invited Chris. They invited me. And when I sat in the room with the four of them, so it was five of us at the time, and I listened to them talk, I actually, didn't do another podcast for quite some time because they're so amazing and they're, they, they're, they, they're so powerful and great. They have these, these side projects and things that they do or like Jeremy and his, his own business. And Chris was doing his own business and his own thing and just has like her cakes and just the way that she reaches out to the community here and, and knows, knows them and knows the flow of Utah is amazing. And I, I, I fell into it. I felt like I fell into it by accident. So when Josh decided to leave, um, we're here at my house. Um, I, I just kind of came back for a while and I've, I've kind of just fallen in with these amazing people and I continue to do this because of these amazing people and the amazing people that they introduced me to, um, I myself, am not that interesting, but I feel like I get to know all of these interesting people. And by knowing them, I become a more interesting person because... I learn from them. I learned things from all of you. So sometimes you'll listen to me to an interview with someone and I'm, and I'm quite quiet through it because I don't really know a lot about it. I'm listening, I'm contemplating. Um, and then there's some things that I'm super uber passionate about. Like when we interviewed planned parenthood or things like that, I get, I get super excited and I just want to talk and talk and talk and I just want to sit and talk to that person and grab their face and never let them go until I answer all of my questions. Um, So I stay on the podcast. I love this podcast because of how much I learn from this podcast. I don't feel like there's a whole ton that I super duper can, can bring to it from, from my background. But I hope that when I'm asking questions of people, because I'm interested in something, it also answers somebody out there. That's listening's question.
5: Well, you know, I think you guys are incredible. And uh, while i you know, each one of you, I think, is one of the most interesting people. You're yeah. genuine and authentic people. The conversations are real. Uh, the issues are the things like we would be if we were sitting down having a barbecue and we'd be talking, and and this topic would come in, and somebody would riff on that and talk a little bit about this. And there's the naturalness of that conversation, which I think is really the the secret sauce of a good podcast, right? It is the, is the ease with which you do, and yes I've, and I've witnessed that with you guys, and I've listened to your other podcasts, and I think the interplay that you guys have and the 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 comfort with which you do that is really uh, amazing, and it's been just my privilege to do that. And so let me just sort of end but what I was going to do as the introduction, you know, uh, this is an existentially frivolous episode. It was question... <laughs> It will make you question why. What else could you have done for an hour plus? Hmm. And, for some, uh, and for some of you, the sad, sad answer will be that this was the best you could come up with. Right? <laughs> and, 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 and the purpose of this uh, episode was to be totally uh, and unabashedly be completely useless. And in a, Camus, in a Camus-like questioning of the absurd, find some meaning in time of absurd politics existential crisis and utter hopelessness of our times. I hope we have achieved that through this questioning and answering. So, so thank I can't, you for the I can't
1: fit that all on a pin for you, Sim.
5: <laughs> so, so thank you for a, a deeply rich, fascinating, thoroughly enjoyable, absurdist existential moment through which I am genuinely finding meaning of life here. So thank you very much <laughs> <well> for <coming. laughs> We'll have to make so, that barbecue happen. Yes. So no I'll, turn, I'll turn over the reins to you for for this, because I'm sure we could keep talking all night long, but uh, you guys have much more important things to do. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> Before Chris asks his one last question, I, you told us. I wasn't us,
0: even going to ask. He's 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 I don't know.
3: <laughs> but you've, you talked about the stained glass window in the new building, and you were telling the story about the two white roses. And yeah. I can't remember what it is. And I was ch- trying to tell somebody. Would you mind telling me that again?
5: I'd love to do that. Thank you for asking. So when we were building this uh, building, you know, and one of the uh, parts of the county budget is to create an art project, if you will. And I started to think about it, and I go, you know, people create plaques or statues, and they go to the side of the of the building or somewhere. <clears throat> and then after you do the opening ceremony, nobody ever pays attention to that, right? And so so the idea was to create an art project and just put it as part of the building. So it's always a structure of it. So so the art class that went up there. And then the question was, okay, we're the public, uh, you know, we're the pr- public agency, a public institution, and uh, and we think about the things that we do. So it is populated by words and, and statements about our mission and the reason different people find motivation to fight the power, fight for justice, fight for equality, fight for truth. And so those words are sort of uh, intermingled there in, as words and as statements. And as we were going through all of that, I have a subversive nature to myself, so I the the person uh, 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 Gordon Huder, who's the artist in this, is also. But when the airport actually opens up, you'll see he's also the lead artist at our new airport, and oh, nice. he's, he lives in uh, he lives in Napa Valley, and he's got this beautiful art. When you walk down the hallway of the new airport. It is a riff on the wave, you know, the wave uh, at the mm-hmm. national park that we have. And he has lights that light up behind it. And you're in the middle of the wave. So I really respect this artist, right? So so he, I called him up and uh, and I said to him, uh, hey, listen, and the commission had been already done. So this was a last minute addition. And, and so I'm calling an artist to ask for a request. And I go, Gordon, I'm sorry, man, I... I have something that I want to add. And can you imagine calling an artist to tell them that you want <laughs> to add to their art piece, right? And, um, and so he goes, what is it? I go, I'd like you to put two white roses there. And there's a pause. And he goes, two white roses? I go, yeah. I go, I go well, he goes, well, what is it? I go, well, listen, the White Rose Society, there was a, call, there was a group of students in Nazi Germany— and there were these individuals, when the Nazis came to power, when fascism came to power, they were the students at this university who actually active, uh, were active and offered the resistance to fascism. And, uh, and they, had, they put out these pamphlets out there, and they took a risk. And ultimately, they were caught and, uh, and executed. And they were known as the White Rose Society. And the and so I wanted to pay an homage partially to that uh, to the white rose society, but not as a single rose, but the necessity of the other to come together to fight for the right fight. And that really is one of the core things. And as I was telling this to uh, to uh, to Gordon, he then shared a story that Hüther is a German name, and his father. Uh, who had emigrated from Germany was part of, forced to be part of that Nazi youth uh, sort of thing when they came up. And so it really kind of, with serendipity, kind of connected us together. And he put those two white roses there. And what's beautiful about our art piece is one, people like it, people hate it. And art should be something that invokes emotion. <laughs> and then. Yep. And then you have to sort of, as you drive by it, you look at, you read one word, then you read another word, and there's another word. And it is all these different words which come together to give you a sensibility. So as you're driving by, you're constantly looking for a different word, or you're discovering a different word there. And then finally, it's created with this dichronic glass, which actually changes colors with the movement of the sun, and it will actually send out a... A rainbow. So that's my other subversive thing. I, every morning when the sun comes up, I have a rainbow that is shot to the, uh, to the courthouse and it travels across the street
1: every day. <laughs> it's know? subliminal every day. <laughs> cool. you
5: know? So now you have sort of the, the full depth of it, but it was the White Rose Society and the courage of those young students who saw an injustice and took the personal risk to fight for that truth and for that justice. And at the end of the day, in a society that we want, that is what we need to ask of all of ourselves. And so this office doesn't belong to me, it belongs to our community. And if it's the right place, we have people who will come here to fight the good fight for the right reason, with the right motivation. And regardless of your politics, of your status, speak truth to power. And that's really what this, uh, what that art piece means to me. And, uh, and that's why those two white roses are there. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> so you're welcome. You know,
1: are you looking at me weird like that? Chris.
0: You were going to say something. before. No, I'm just smiling. <laughs> Smiling's my favorite. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much. Dad, thank you so much.
5: Thank you. Hey guys. Thank you. You don't know what a great treat this was for me. Thank you for letting me come into your guys's uh, circle and ask you guys some questions and be good <laughs> sports about oh, uh, letting them uh, letting and answering them. And I apologize if I was too intrusive, but I'm no. certain I'm certain inquiring minds want to know.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Thank, Thank, you. You,
3: Thank you, Sim. Have a good night. Stay safe. Thank you. See ya. Bye
5: bye. Take care.
0: Thanks again to the uh, sexiest DA in the city of Utah. Um just says the world. I'm not convinced yet. Um we'll, we'll see.
2: We'll definitely go to the United States though.
0: You know, if we invite him over for a barbecue and he takes his shirt off that might be the end of it. <laughs> um that was an interesting experience I'm really glad that we did it I think it was nice to be interviewed with some
1: I know she had more time when we were talking to him but oh sure sure our but listeners
0: I, probably would appreciate I don't know it. i I think Maybe. they enjoy it um I enjoy it and I love listening to him segment to be fair I don't do this show just for our listeners I do it for me like like I said and um, being able to talk to a guy like Sim Gill for an hour and a half and it, it flew by. It doesn't feel as mm-hmm. late as it is after that um, is, is amazing. So
3: It's a, it's an honor to me. I mean, we talked to a bunch of people, but for, the, I mean, the DA for Salt Lake County to, or you, yeah, he's Salt Lake Salt County. Salt
0: Lake County. He's not Utah County.
3: Then, to take that much of his time at the end of what was probably a long day. We know that he was just coming out of a meeting. He's dealing with COVID. He's dealing with all of these other things because he wants to spend time with us is really cool when all of these people that come here and take the time to spend with us
0: because they want to be here is. And most of them aren't thing. promoting a product. That's the other thing right. that's like, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, uh, Allison wants to talk about this, the farmer's market when she's here because she runs the farmer's market. That's such a big part of her life or, um, you know, Ruby snap, you know, Tammy wants to talk about her cookie store. Well, how much time did we spend talking about Ruby Snap really? It wasn't a promotion for Ruby Snap. Um we got free cookies in full disclosure because the first time <laughs> we didn't. She- so, in full disclosure, we got some free cookies. I don't know is 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 uh is our code still good, new pod 5? Yeah,
1: so it is good until the 20 24- we may, we may need to it have was, another order of cookies here yeah. at this house. It out. was one, one month after our show. But so.
0: but so my point is, though, they don't come here to hawk their stuff. They come here to just have a conversation and to talk about. It's things.
1: so much
3: fun to learn about them. And I like listening why they started their businesses mm-hmm. and stuff.
0: Uh, so that's, it's, it's great. Um, that's why we do this. So I don't care if our listeners hate listening to Sim Gill for an hour and a half. If they do,
1: obviously they wouldn't turn
0: it off. Well, yeah, exactly. And I don't think our listeners have a problem with that. He is a, he's a super well-spoken, awesome dude. Um, so yeah, I'd say follow us on Twitter, but Jeremy ruined that for everyone. You can't. Um, yeah, I don't know you if that's You can try, but I don't think it's um, going to work. Instagram is at TNU Podcast, uh, Facebook, The New Utah Podcast, and com is our website. Uh, if you like what you hear, please share it. Um, that's what helps us the most. Uh, feel free to leave us reviews or reach out to us on any of those platforms except Twitter because Jeremy, um, mm-hmm. That's part of why you can't get bread, I think, too, by the way. (laughs) Um, uh, So thanks. Um, I don't know that I could uh, say it any better than Sim did, so we'll just let his words in the show, except I'm not going to edit them in.